All right. Well, um, so last week we went over the first half of Acts 19, which was uh, an interesting uh, set of events. Uh, John, the, Paul met up with some disciples from John the Baptist and uh, was able to instruct them um, in the truth of salvation and of Jesus Christ. And then um, we see that he was in the synagogue for three months, reasoning and teaching um, and persuading them. And they got grew tired of it. And so he went to uh, another location and uh, began basically started a school for uh, two years, um, teaching. Uh, the Word of God and um, instructing those that would come, the disciples. And then uh, we see that he, <laughs> um, God gave him specific uh, powers. Uh, and again, we want to acknowledge that God gave Paul specific powers. Uh, um, that if they were to touch him with a handkerchief or, or whatever, uh, people were being healed by touching him and then touching them with um, those items. And then we see that he was also able to cast out demons. And then there was seven sons of a high priest um, that attempted that and didn't go so well for them. Um, they lost their clothes and became bloody and were sent packing. And we left with the whole city was up in an uproar and, um, you know, that at the end people were turning from their witchcraft and their other uh, idolatry idol, yeah, books, there we go, uh, to the point where they burned them. And uh, it was a large sum of money that uh, those books were worth. And uh, so that's kind of what got us to verse number 20. So the word of the Lord was growing mightily and prevailing. <clears throat> and we're going to talk about why that's a big statement tonight uh, based upon the city that he's in. Okay, so um, Paul, uh, Luke here gives just a little bit of kind of itinerary of what's going on with Paul. So someone want to read verses 21 and 22. Again, this is kind of just an itinerary of uh, what Paul's plans are and where he's kind of looking to go. So 21 and 22. Pop. <laughs> okay, so again, it's just uh, Luke kind of giving an itinerary saying that Paul is looking forward to going to Jerusalem and then after that to Rome. And he sent uh, Timothy um, away and then he stayed there um, for a little while longer. Okay, And so it was just a little blurb there kind of giving a little bit of an itinerary of what's going on. And then verses 23 through 27 um, begins the section that will end uh, chapter 19. And so what I want us to do as we're reading through this tonight is I want to put, ask you to put your thinking cap on because hopefully at the end we'll have a little bit of time uh, to talk about this. 
Um, so it's, it's a story, uh, it's a long story of what happened. And so um, we're going to read 23 through 27, and then we'll read 28 through the end of the chapter. And then uh, we're going to talk about some points that happened uh, along the way. And I've got a couple pictures and a video that I want to show tonight as well. So uh, someone want to read 23 uh, through 27. Read loud with your mask on. All right, so Paul is in the middle of the thick of it again, okay? So uh, Paul finds himself in the middle of these circumstances all the time because of his boldness for the gospel, his boldness uh, in uh, refuting uh, wrong, uh, wrong ideology and, and the worshiping of idols, all right? And so we're going to talk just for a minute about the uh, magnitude of this goddess Artemis uh, here, or you could see goddess uh, Diana, Okay. Uh, she was uh, known as the goddess of fertility. Okay, the temple that I'll show you here in just a minute um, took. It was built three separate times, so a total of 220 years to build it, uh, and it was uh, an 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 unimaginable. It's one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Uh, just, just uh, massive. Uh, had pillars. I think it was 135 pillars that ranged 60 feet tall. Uh, that were, and it was only for uh, this goddess. It was, it was a central part of the city of Ephesus, uh, and uh, the area surrounding. It was uh, kind of the. Uh, it, if we were to think about it today, it would be the, the same similar idea as Salt Lake Temple. All right, it's the the mecca for the religious thought process of Diana uh, or Artemis, and so uh, that was in the middle of Ephesus, uh, and it was a focal point of the city. Uh, it was an absolutely gorgeous. Uh, building. So, Tyler, if you can show that. Well, there's several pictures of it, so that's good. Yeah, that's a that's a good one there. But anyways, it gives you an idea with all of those different pictures. Those, the the temple as it stands today has one pillar and a few random rocks that were it's been destroyed uh now three different times and it was never redone after the third time it was destroyed yes through war see the pillar right there up on the right hand screen that's all that's left of the the temple as it stands now so you can see how great uh of a temple it was at one time but you can think of it this was uh, larger uh, than the temple there in Salt Lake, uh, the and so just a, just a massive um, building erected just for uh, the purpose of worship and and acknowledging uh, her. Um, 
as a God. Now, they, they believe that, and it'll go on until, so we'll get into that here in just a minute. Um, maybe um, if you could look up the, the statue, seeing that we are all adults in here. The statue is a little odd, uh, but because of the, um, the nature of what's been going on, uh, or going on here, um, it is not a, any of those. That one right there to the right of where your cursor is. Yep. Is there a way to blow that up? Not really. Um, anyways, um, the all of this area down in here is she's made to look like a um, kind of like a mummy, and then all the um, area up around her chest. Uh, some scholars say. Uh, there's a little bit of different opinion, but most scholars say that those are multiple breasts, it's signifying um, fertility. Okay, so it's kind of an odd statue. Um, but anyways, that's the statue that was being created by this silversmith. Okay, so that kind of just gives you an idea. Very uh, main central part, just as much of a central part of. Uh, Ephesus and the the world around that area, as the LDS temple is here, and it had she had several temples uh, in other areas, uh, just like they do here, um, ex- <clears throat> and then the the central one there in Ephesus. And so, when we think of what's going on here in the city and how this is a huge uproar, we don't want to look at it as you know, just a little, you know, goddess in a, a little temple off to the side. Uh, and it was just a small part of the city of Ephesus. This was a main central focus of the city of Ephesus was uh, the goddess uh, Artemis or Diana. Yes, ma'am. That one there was human size. It was in the center of uh, of the... Um, temple, and they would come in and pray and do all kinds of stuff. And then they would make small ones to take home and set on their mantle and so on and so forth. And so, <clears throat> um, so I just wanted to show you the temple, get your mind wrapped around. This is not just a uh, you know, fly-by-night deal. This is something that was a major, uh, major religion, major th- uh, deal in Ephesus and the the known world at that time, and so um, this man uh, Demetrius, uh, the silversmith, uh, had issue. He didn't. Uh, he he. If you notice, um, which happens most of the time with <laughs> uh, religious people that um, are in it for the money, he mentions how. This Paul has destroyed 
uh, his income because of teaching against idols, and he's up in an uproar about that, and he's all about the financial, financial, and then he throws in at the end. Well, and as well, he's talking against the goddess in the temple, right? He has to throw that in the end so that uh, it doesn't look like he's just worried about the money, right? Okay, so uh, some interesting things to look at here. Uh, and, and it's mostly uh, uh, Demetrius is complaining, and then he gets down to verse number 26, and that's really the key verse in this section. You see the, and hear that not only in Ephesus, but almost all of Asia. Okay, this isn't no small area. This is a large area uh, that he's complaining about. This Paul, okay, <laughs> has um, pursued and turned away a considerable number of people, saying that gods made with hands are no gods at all. Now, to us here tonight, that's kind of like, oh, that's a no-brainer, right? That's, duh, gods made with hands aren't gods. Uh, but for Paul to say that to them back then, um, would be the same thing as if you and I uh, would go around Utah and say books written from golden tablets are not a real or not a truthful book, right? All of us in here would say, well, duh, that's, that makes sense. But to our culture and what we live in, that wouldn't be just a, an accepted thought process. They would have great issue if you were to say books written from golden tablets aren't uh, trustworthy. Maybe we could say that. Okay, that, that would be uh, quite a big deal, right? And so the same and even maybe possibly more, um, uh, actually probably the same because a lot of people make uh, a good amount of money in Utah making uh, images of the temple and images of different, you know, things and so on. And so uh, very, very similar in, uh, ways that we could tie the culture we live in here to what Paul was dealing with there. Um, and so that would be a way that we could uh, maybe bring it into our day and age. But Paul was being very bold in the fact. And I want you to remember this verse, verse number 26, because we're going to come back to it um, at the end of, of our lesson. We're going to come back to it, okay? So remember the phrase that uh, saying that God's made with hands are no gods at all. That's an important phrase that we'll come back to. All right, and then he uh, complains again in verse 27 that, you know, he is against the goddess um, Artemis, okay, in regards worthless, and that she was all, and all of Asia is worshipped, uh, and the world worshipped, okay? And, and it's, a, again, there's a big seemingly clash of two ideologies. Okay, the way, which is Christianity, which is Christ being preached, that's what's being said there in verse 23. Uh, uh, they had issues with the way, all right? The Christianity this is the second time that's mentioned here in this, in this uh, chapter. That 
ideology, the, the truth of the Word of God, the truth of God preached by Paul is clashing with Artemis or Di- and, and the people that believe in that, okay? And so that was getting stirred up. So Paul is thinking about moving on, and then this erupts in the city. All right, and this seemingly takes place in one day, uh, it, it would appear. Okay? And so what we see following is that um, Demetrius goes out and stirs up a bunch of trouble uh, for Paul and his companions. All right? So uh, someone that desires to read a little bit more, 28 uh, through 41. 28 through 41. Okay, so quite a, quite a quite a bit's going on here, right? Um, they uh, Demetrius uh, gets the city in an uproar. The city is confused as a whole. They don't all know what's going on. A large part of the city is being converted to Christ, but there's still uh, the, the 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 thought process of Ephesus is a city of about 250,000 people. So no small city. Um, And so there's a large confusion going on. They're not sure what's going on. So uh, they all head, which was the custom, to the theater. Uh, The theater was carved out of rock. And that is not it. (laughs) Well, there's the, oh, look at there. So you imagine those were all made out of the finest marble that they could find back then. So no wonder why it took uh, the third temple that they built took 120 years to build. So um, pretty incredible. And that's what God did to it. (laughs) One, One little, all right. So this was the town theater, okay? Seats 25,000 people. Uh, the stage is that rubble you see there on the right uh, that used to be a grand stage and they would have all kinds of uh, theater type things and they, uh, from what I could read and research, they also did some kind of gladiator type sports down there uh, in the, the lower part. So you can th- think that the city of Ephesus, this was a main area for it and would reach out um, uh, past this. And so people were just flooding into the theater to find out what's going on. So imagine this whole Colosseum here filled with 25,000 people, which is about the size of Energy Solutions Arena there with the jazz play. They fit about 25,000 people in it. So think of t- that kind of noise. And if you've been to a jazz game or any kind of um, football game or so on that has a lot of... Um, screaming uh, in it or uh, yelling for their team or so on and how loud that is. Think of this whole assembly here being uh, filled with people that uh, first were confused why they were even there. Uh, Some understood they were there because uh, Demetrius was upset at Paul and his companions for ruining their business. Others didn't really know. And so they bring forth uh, uh, Alexander, which was a Jew. Okay, And when they found out that he was a Jew, 
for about two hours. This is interesting information from Luke, right? For two hours, they cried out uh, about how Artemis was the true God and, and, and cried these words out. And uh, so much so that it seemed like it was going to start some kind of a riot. Uh, and that's what the town clerk was getting at here towards the end. And so um, Paul was um, braver than probably most of us. Okay. Um, what's that? Uh, well, well, it says here that Paul, the, they took Paul's two companions, and Paul wanted to go, and his disciples wouldn't let him. Okay, so his disciples were um, possibly um, urged by God somehow to <laughs> restrain Paul from going into the midst of that crowd that he had stirred up, um, saying that their gods were no gods at all. And uh, you can see that the group of people here are still very much convinced that Artemis is, uh, came down from heaven and is their God that they follow. And very, very important to them. So much so that for two hours they cried out uh, against this Jew uh, that was going to make a defense. Just because they knew he was a Jew, they began to cry out, uh, for over two hours. Uh, the way those were designed, um, there was, the way that they designed theaters in those days was designed for, uh, it, it, it was able to manifest, your, your voice was able to carry well in those type atmosphere. Um, but most likely they had to speak quite loud. Okay, so that's kind of the, the, the gist of what's going on um, in, in, in the city. There, there's a lot in this, um, but it's, it's all kind of pushed together. Um, what I really want to do is talk about the, what we see here and how we can relay that to our lives today and how we can see that Paul was bold in his faith. Um, I believe Paul was loving. I believe Paul was uh, unloving. I believe he was just bold and willing to speak the truth. And I believe he was willing to speak the truth in love. And Paul talked about idols um, more than once in his uh, ministry. If you, turn, if you go back to Acts 17, 29 and 30, he refers to idols and, and says that these are uh, uh, false. And if you go to where we'll be here uh, probably in a couple months, in 1 Corinthians 8 and verse 4, he there speaks of, of idols as well and that there is no other gods other, or God than our God. Okay? And so Paul uh, speaks to this issue of other gods um, and where we can see that in our culture today, there's just not uh, carved images, right? There's, there's different idols that we have. But Paul here is willing to stand up uh, in a city that is known for uh, one basic 
thought process or basic religion, and that is of following the goddess Artemis or Diana, and quite a quite a big deal for Paul to stand up and say that gods made with hands are no gods at all. Yes, ma'am. Uh, we don't, um, from what researchers can tell and so on, Paul was a shorter statue, not much of a man. He just kind of, just a, just a, yeah, just, just a, just a regular old guy that he wasn't some, some, you know, giant monstrosity of a guy that, you know, people would fear. He was just. Most Jews are not bigger people, and, and Paul was, you know, 100% Jew. So, um, you know, probably somewhere um, in the five, I don't know, that would all be spectacular, but he wasn't, he wasn't a bigger person. Tyler, do you, do you know of a passage where it talks about his physique? There you go. So, not he wasn't impressive, and his speech was contemptible. Yeah, he wasn't Charles Heston. No. <clears throat> okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, Paul, but he but he knew how to he knew how to use the words that he had learned, and, and he knew how to share his faith. And he wasn't he wasn't scared, and he wasn't ashamed. Uh, of what it so much so that he was willing to go in a great theater and and proclaim the truth so here it says his disciples stopped him and then uh, the word here uh, is officials so it's just different city officials is the name uh, used there Uh, let me see if I can find uh, where that's at Uh, Paul wanted to go verse 30 and when Paul wanted to go into the assembly, his disciples would not let him. Also, uh, uh, some of the, those people were friends of his and sent, him, sent to him, uh, repeatedly urging him not to venture into the theater. All right, And so these people that it mentions there are just different city officials uh, that he uh, had, knew of or that he was acquainted and, and were friends with. All right, and so something, so we already kind of covered that they shouted out and were um, very much enthusiastic for the goddess Artemis. But it's interesting here, we see the town clerk show up. Okay, town, and I'll turn on my next page here. Town clerk shows up. Um, let me see, which verse is that? 35, all right, and, and begins to talk to them and, and trying to calm them down, which this, you know, again, this is quite the uproar, all right? And um, let me see here. All right, verse 37. Okay, verse 37, for you have brought these men here who are neither robbers of temples, that's true, nor blasphemers of our goddess. Okay, so this town clerk is, is getting up in front of everyone and 
this again, this is a big uproar, and he is trying to calm them down, and he's turned into a politician, all right? And he's lying to get whatever he can for these people just to, to stop and to, to quit, okay? Uh, and, and the reason why I wanted you to remember the verse back, uh, verse 26, is he says here, uh, he's not a robber of temples, nor blasphemer of our goddess. Now, if I were to come to you and I were to say uh, that your God is dead and is not even real, speaking of our true Jehovah God, would you call me a blasphemer? Would you call me against what you would teach? Okay, so uh, the town clerk here is not being totally honest, all right? Paul is a blasphemer of their goddess because you cannot say uh, that gods made with hands are no gods at all and not be considered a blasphemer, all right? And so uh, this person here is obviously trying to get the crowd to subside and to quiet down and uh, tells Demetrius, hey, take him to court where this should be, all right? <laughs> this, is, this is not how we handle this in, in Ephesus is basically what he tells Demetrius. We have courts for this. Take Paul to court. If you don't like what he's saying, uh, and we're going to be cited for, for a riot here uh, if we don't quit. And so they, they did disperse there in verse 47. And so uh, tonight, I, I don't really, uh, there's not a ton here uh, within the story. I feel that um, we can draw out uh, in the story of itself as far as all the different parts and going to court and all that stuff. What I want us to focus on tonight is Paul is boldly proclaiming for the last two years uh, the fact that there is, no, uh, there is no gods made with hands. And he was able to convince a great multitude of people in Ephesus and in Asia to where Demetrius says, hey, this is starting to cut into my trade and I can't make money because people don't want to buy uh, my stuff uh, anymore because they're, they're finding that uh, Artemis is actually not a real god. It's just an idol made by hands. And so um, what that can encourage us today is that we need to be bold in our faith and not ashamed to speak the truth but we need to speak the truth in a way that's loving and not going to drive people away. Now, here, Paul spoke the truth and the truth cut them to the core to where they, they wanted to get rid of him. Okay? Um, but uh, again, Paul was there for two and a half years and many, many people. It says that in, in the earlier part of chapter 19 many people have come to know the Lord not everyone is going to uh, to come to faith not everyone is going to like to hear what you have to say and at some point it might cause you to 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 have hardships or to have hard times or to to have people get in an uproar about what you're saying but you don't want them to get in an uproar about what you're saying by how you're saying it right? 
You want them, they never accused Paul of being angry or malicious in his words. They just accused him of saying, your God's not real. And, and giving them the truth of the gospel. And so we know that Paul was loving, but we also know his truth was quick. It got them to the core and they didn't like to hear that because it affected their pocketbook. It affected their lifestyle, right? In a city this size with the, the, the focus of, um, on the temple, you know that everyone's life in some way functioned around this temple and what went on, Right? Yeah. Come and see it. A lot, a lot of money. Just same, same thing that's going on up at the Temple Square, right? It's, it's a, it's attraction for um, people that are in the church. But there's millions and millions of people every year that aren't LDS that go just to see. Uh, the temple. Same idea that was going on there. And we see people standing outside the temple sharing the gospel in a very uh, ugly and, and non-productive way, right? Rex? Right. <laughs> what were the chances? Just look around. <laughs> <laughs> that's funny okay well um on the on the idea of sharing the gospel and, and giving a presentation that is uh can quick to the heart but in love and and caring about the person and and loving the person although we tr share the truth of god's word we don't want to sugarcoat what the Bible says. We don't want to make it sound like, well, I know you believe in these golden tablets that translated this, but really, no. Speak the truth, but speak it in love. And uh, I was searching, and I, this is, it kind of can be a little bit hard to hear, so you'll have to turn it up pretty good, Tyler. Um, but um, it, it gets it kind of gives the good ideas. Rave Zacharias at a uh, college, and he he kind of speaks to this idea of sharing the gospel in in love. And so we'll we'll watch that, and then if we have a few minutes to commentary after that. Life, and I'm in agreement with you in as much as. <laughs> oh, I'll take that off. <laughs> If you have a passion in your private life, that should overflow in your public life right. as to not like destroy yourself. That's right. What do you think we can do as a Christian community and body to, to yeah. better love our fellow human beings and just to reach out to them on a more co-planar yeah. level rather than a more... Uh, Adversarial type thing. Yeah, yeah. like a yeah. complex like we're better than you yeah. or any Agreed. view of that. I appreciate that. Well, one of the reasons I have hope in this thing is precisely because of people like you who are in, in universities, professors who are at universities who are followers of Christ. You know, this is part of the price we pay for the way we abuse the times when we had freedoms to do that and sort of collared people and pounded them into belief. 
I mean, you do not enforce a community of faith with the methods that we have used. You know, uh, recently I was uh, asked to speak at the Mormon Tabernacle in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was there, the first evangelical they'd asked in uh, 100 years. Uh, in 1899, D.L. Moody spoke there. You should have seen some of the vitriolic letters that I got from very pious people. I got more books on the subject than I ever wanted to collect. My library has increased tremendously. Uh, and I say to myself, why such outrage by a community of grace? It didn't make sense to me. And my answer was, hey, I have spoken across chasms of belief all my life. I'm not going to change now. I said, you want to throw me into some other horrific worldview, I'll put my hand up first and say, I'm going to go. The Christian has to learn that it is not only his or her message, but also his or her method. If the method is in violation of the message, the people see it very quickly. I have found more people objecting to the Christian than they really do to Jesus Christ. When you exalt the beauty of Christ, I tell you what, no one ever lived like him. No one ever spoke like him. No one was ever so compassionate to sinners as he was. No one ever welcomed the outcasts as he did. He set the law on a higher plane, but his mercy was also in proportion and keeping with it. He knows how to humble us without humiliating us and how to lift us up without flattering us. He gives you the true essential nature of your worth. There are places and settings in which you stand up and defend the faith. There are places and settings in which you know it is inappropriate to be doing it here. And so I say to you, the way you do it is exactly in settings like this. Look, I'm honored. I, when I come to a place like this, I die a couple of deaths before I come. Why, what am I going to say to two to 3,000 people to take two hours of their time? And I just go on my knees and say, Lord, I'm not worthy of this. But the fact that you are here is at least out of a courtesy to say, we want to hear what you have to say about such important issues. And in settings like this where you debate or have open forums, in sitting around a table and discussing. In England, we go into the pubs and the bar rooms till 11 and 12 at night. In India, I speak to the film actors community. This year, I'm to speak to the political community. This year, I had the, last year, I had the privilege of addressing the United Nations. Their people are hungry. It's how we do it. And sometimes we blow it. Sometimes I've walked away and said, I ought not to have put it that way. So just be wise, be careful, and God will honor your faith. There's a recent article in the New York Times which says, God is dead, we need to be dancing on his grave. He doesn't know there's nobody in that grave. It <laughs> needs to fit our message and when our message and our method don't mix or don't they're they're not together then it, it it's obvious to people and so paul here in in chapter 19 obviously stirred up the crowd more than once 
but it was the message of Christ and, 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 and teaching the truth and pointing out falsehoods and pointing out the error of what they were teaching and believing. And so the encouragement to us tonight is we're going to have people accuse us. We're going to have people rise up against us uh, and, uh, and, and in many different ways. And that is a good sign. As long as they're not accusing us of being ugly and, and malicious and in and, and, and the way we present it. They might think that we're being ugly and malicious in what we say, but we need to know in our own hearts that we aren't. Okay? People like this that Paul was dealing with in this chapter, probably didn't matter how Paul said it, they were going to be upset. But obviously Paul uh, was able to through the power of the Holy Spirit, persuade many, uh, and, and obviously Christ is the one that does it, uh, but he uses uh, us uh, to, as his instrument. And um, so we see not only in, in chapter 19 that there's great multitude that came to Christ, but there was a great multitude that turned against Paul and, and those, and it was all the message that Paul was bringing, saying, God is true our god is a true god and god's made with hands hey sorry to tell you but they they're not real they're just metal okay and so uh it encourages here in the state that we live in we live in a very similar situation and be bold in your proclamation of the of christ to be bold in in pointing out uh falsehoods but in that, we need to be loving and caring for them. We need to point out the sin. We need to point out the error. Um, but we need to love the person uh, and not hate the person. Hate the sin, hate the, the idolatry, but not the person. Always care for the person. That's, that's the whole reason why we go out and share the gospel. It's not to get in a fight. It's not to, as, as the one asking the question, it's not to say that we're better than they. It's to uh, proclaim Christ and Him crucified uh, in their lives. And God uh, will get the glory and God will see, uh, will see great things come from it. Maybe not in our lifetime, but that's not why we do it, right? We do it because we love Him and because we want to serve Him. So, any other closing thoughts? Ideas? Questions? Right there with his wife? And you're going to have to know it in your heart, right? You know when you've been wrong. You know that you, when you've been haughty, when you've shared the gospel uh, in a haughty or wrong manner. And, and as Rave Zacharias said, um, there's been times I said, maybe I should have said that differently, right? And, and we've all been there. Um, but that's okay. Uh, I'd rather that we make the mistakes uh, sharing the gospel then not make any mistakes because we never share the gospel, right? So be bold, be courageous, 
Um, listen to the disciples around you and the people that are around you. If you're going into somewhere that maybe you shouldn't uh, and they pull you back, you know, okay? So there's some, some environments uh, that maybe it's not the best and, and, and he uh, alluded to that in there, okay? But Paul was going to head right into this assembly and good chance that that would not have gone well for him. So, um, yeah. Use, use the wisdom of others sometimes is a good idea in your gospel sharing. If you've stirred up a multitude of people um, and they're all really, really angry at you, send somebody else in there. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, the... It, the city of the city of Ephesus was in was in controlled by uh, the Roman Empire at this time. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't uh, Diana defend herself? That, that might be another question, right? So. Yeah. Very good. We wish that um, <clears throat> the town clerk was around today, right? <laughs> we have no reason for these riots. Go home. <laughs> but anyways, okay, well, appreciate you. We'll uh, close in prayer and Lord willing, meet back here on Sunday. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you for uh, your great mercy. Lord, we thank you that we have the truth of your word. And that we can boldly proclaim your truth and not be fearful um, of the outcome. Uh, and, and truth is always uh, met with opposition, Lord, and we know that. And Lord, I just pray that you would embolden us tonight and, and, and give us the strength that we need to share your truth. Uh, and again, cover it in love. And, and so that we can see our community and our uh, surrounding neighborhoods reached for Christ. And Lord, I just praise you for all that you do and are going to do in your name. Amen.